Hello, this is Rob and Mike from the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management, and this is Think Smart with TMFG. Today on Think Smart with TMFG, Mike and I are going to be discussing some dramatic investment losses that have taken place. Mike, the headline said that personal portfolios in the U.S. fell 44% between the beginning of January and October of 18th of this year. Pretty scary number, isn't it? That's a big number. That's up there with a ravaging bear market. That's a market crash for those investors. And that's data compiled by J.P. Morgan Chase. And it really, first, the first thing I took from it is 44% is the personal side. So there's been a big difference between your personal investor and your 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 retail and uh, institutional investors because we know the markets aren't down that much. So obviously losses are coming more on the end of the individual investors than on the institutions. So uh, that's the first lesson. It goes in this article to talk about how personal investors have tended to always push more toward growth uh, investments. And it's always been the nature, and we've seen that. You know, in the past, whenever no one's ever left their portfolio to try a wild value strategy, right? No. It's not something people do. People stick with their portfolio, and then all of a sudden they have the idea, no, no, I want to try something when the markets are flying, going to growth strategy. So we've seen that's what personal investors like. Institutional investors tend to love the value idea. They're always pushing toward value and a big difference in there. I think what's interesting, if you look at the retail investor, you know, look in the U.S. and, and some of the robo-advisors and, and the, the one app called Robinhood that had done a, a great job during the pandemic promoting, you know, on your phone, you can buy stocks, you can buy Bitcoin and everything. And so investors started, small investors, mind you, started to, to buy these things and driving up stock prices. The average account at Robinhood, about $5,000. Not a lot of money there, but there's millions of them. In Canada, we had companies like Wellsimple offering the same sort of thing. Easy, you can do it on your phone. You can buy and sell stock on your phone. And you can, you know, if you work hard, you can become a millionaire overnight was the sort of story. It's a great idea. And you've seen meme stocks and things peak from that type of activity. You know, it was funny when I was looking at it, I wanted to see what the actual numbers are because 44% was a bit uh, of a shocker. So I want to see how the indexes did. And, you know, this is going to, I don't know when this podcast is going to be released, but. This is as of October 18th. Yeah. So this is approximately where the markets are. Right now, the S&P 500 is down about uh, 20%, right? NASDAQ is down pretty close to 30%. So what is the NASDAQ? NASDAQ is North American uh, stock index. A lot of the growth companies over the years have placed themselves in the NASDAQ. So they'll end up in there. A lot of the high flyers from the technology, technology things like that. Apple was one of the darlings of the NASDAQ originally and some companies like that. Uh, so that's what the NASDAQ's built. S&P 500 is the 500, I'd say, biggest companies in the U.S. is the easiest description of them. So that includes everything from, you know, from oil and gas companies to banks to the high tech companies can be in there too. And some of the companies can be in both too. So it doesn't mean if you're just in the NASDAQ, you can't be in the S&P 500, I believe. Yeah, they can can cross over. It's just an index. It's just an index. So the TSX, you know, Toronto's been reasonable compared to the rest of the world. Toronto's down around 10% at this point, but we're an oil rich nation. And our banking system is still pretty uh, superior to the rest of the world. We've actually held up okay in Canada. Next thing I went to look at is Europe and Asia. 
And this was a surprise I started to research on Europe and Asia, because when you look up indexes, a lot of times they're giving you the returns in their own currency. And when I looked at Europe and Asia, they looked a lot better than they do on our statements. I thought, Jesus, they're only down 12, 13%. On our statements, they uh, look like they're down they're, 20. They're down 20. So I kept on doing some research. Then I looked at what the euro has done compared to the Canadian dollar. And we find there's been a big slip in the currency. The euro has had a 7% slide uh, to the Canadian dollar. So again, when you invest into euros, it's not only how their stock market does, it's how their currency does too. Because when you look at someone's statement, you have to realign everything to Canadian dollars to say if they made money or not or not made money. When we look, this is a funny stat. We looked at the world in US dollars and the world in US dollars is down about 22.4% right now. When you look at the world in Canadian dollars, it's only down 15.6%. So it's actually good to be in Canada. One of the reasons was even though our currency is down versus the U.S., but yep. our currency still done relatively well to other currencies around the world, except for the U.S. Yeah, we always compare ourselves to the U.S. We never compare ourselves to anyone else. You know, uh, if you go into currency, U.S. has gained seven point percent, seven point seven percent on Canada this year. So that means if you have a U.S. stock, you've got about a seven percent bonus by uh, pricing the Canadian currency. But in Europe, if you have a European stock, you've lost an addition 6.1% on Canadian currency. So, I mean, we're in the middle being in Canada, we're between the US and Europe, we're somewhere uh, between them. But if you're living in the US right now, you're not gonna like Europe at all. Because if you invest in Europe in the US, you take that 7.7 to 6.1, what are you, 13.8%. So there's a 13.8% difference between the Euro and the U.S. valuations of a stock. So I think one of the things that's interesting about this is we've talked a bit in previous podcasts about how this bear market got started. And it started with the, the COVID. Then we had the, the, the war in the Ukraine with Russia invading the Ukraine. And the market becomes unstable and we start to get high inflation. But really, the thing that stopped the growth stocks from growing wasn't either one of those it was the raising of interest rates. So people were leveraged again. We talked about that. Leverage yep. plays a role. People were leveraged. Even if they had borrowed a little money, they were leveraged. And they were holding these stocks that were way overvalued. Now interest rates are going up. They wanna, they, they wanna pay off their debt. When you raise interest rates, you're actually taking money out of the economy because people need to put that money somewhere else. They needed to pay down debt. They can't go out and spend that money anymore. If your mortgage has gone from one and a half to four and a half, that 3% on a million dollar mortgage means that's $30,000 that you can't spend anymore. That's huge. That lowers the demand, right? It's supply and demand. So if you lower the demand out there, supposedly inflation should start to yield a bit to that. And it's funny when you look at currencies too. You, you look at what's going on between the U.S. We always hear about raising interest rates and which government's going to, you know, the Fed, when they come out, they're going to raise 0.5% or 0.75%. Re- remember, they can't do nothing because if all of a sudden in Canada, we stop raising interest rates and the U.S. Ra- was raising interest rates, do you know what happened to our dollar? It would fall apart, right? Because people always look at the country. They, they look at, I always think of it this way. They look at the U.S. and Canada. They say, which is more safe? Well, the U.S. is a lot bigger of a company. Right, uh, country than than Canada. It's 10 times. So the only reason I'd invest in Canada if I was to expect a greater return, 
why else would you invest in Canada? And that's where you need to make sure the interest rates are competitive with the US, otherwise no money is gonna to come to Canada and your currency would drop. And again, if your currency drops, remember it's not only your portfolio, it's the buy-in power of your Canadian money. Because in Canada, we don't make a lot of stuff, right? So if all of a sudden everybody says, who cares about the Canadian currency? You know, my portfolio looks good because our Canadian dollar is dropping. But when you go to buy goods in the store, you're going to have mass inflation because in Canada, we import, I don't know the percentage, but a ton of the goods. I don't know many things I buy in the store that are actually produced in Canada. If you're starting to look at going on a trip into the U.S. over the holidays, you're going with the 70, 71 cent dollar. That's not good. That, that's going to be a very expensive trip for you in U.S. dollars. Yep. What's happened to crypto and bonds? What you know? How have they been impacted by all this all this noise? Cryptos are down close to fifty percent in Canadian currency, forty nine percent. That's it. Well, that's not cryptos. That's Bitcoin, is down about forty nine percent Canadian. But again, in U.S. dollars, that's down you know fifty seven percent or something like that. Yeah, it's a big. It's a big uh, so it, it's a big number, and again, it, it's uh, that's the Bitcoin's the most popular of the cryptos. I mean, Ethereum is probably better than Bitcoin at this time, but there is about 50 other hundreds cri- of hundreds other cryptocurrencies crypto that are down a lot more. They're down a, a lot more than that. What about bonds? Bonds, this is the shocking number. If you look at the yield increase in bonds, the yield in, in since January 1st, the, the bond yield has increased by 238%. So, so we've gone from paying an interest, I think of 1.75 to now four and a quarter percent. Yeah, that's huge, and we all know if you work at it, you can get even more than four and a quarter percent. Yeah, not and much more, but you can probably get five percent quite comfortably today. And remember, the return you got on your bonds is inverse to the yield if you owned a bond then. So that that correction has created, you know, probably on five on five year bonds, it's been a, about a ten percent somewhere around there, a ten percent correction. Yeah. And if you're going longer term, you're going to have a higher correction than that too. Yeah, if you're in a fifteen year bond portfolio you've really been beaten up by this rise in interest rates. That brings us to the end of another week. This is Rob and Mike with Think Smart from the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management, reminding you to live the life that makes you happy. listening to the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management Limited. Asante Capital Management Limited is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. Insurance products and services are provided through Asante Estate and Insurance Services Incorporated. This material is provided for general information and is subject to change without notice. Every effort has been made to compile this material from reliable sources. However, no warranty can be made as to its accuracy or completeness. Before acting on any of the previous information, please make sure to see a professional advisor for individual financial advice based on your personal circumstances. The opinions expressed are those of the authors and not necessarily those of Asante Capital Management Limited.